HVAC 360, episode number 45, OPR and CFR. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of HVAC 360. I'm your host, Matt Nelson. This week, we're going to talk a little bit about the OPR and a CFR and what exactly those are. Um, they are documents. I've, I've recently got, given a, uh, a little talk about commissioning and the different aspects of commissioning. And it wasn't, it was, it wasn't for specifically for other commissioning agents or for owners or anything like that. It was more geared towards architects and engineers. And it's really important. Uh, a lot of times the commissioning agents really are carrying the ball for the OPR and the CFR uh, as far as getting them documented, getting them done. So I just wanted to have a, a kind of a, a short podcast here to kind of explain a little bit about what they are and some important features of them, uh, give you some a little bit of a cliff notes uh, and some good information. Hopefully you'll get something out of this podcast um, and uh, let me know if I missed anything. I can always put it in the show notes for you later. So generally speaking, um, or not generally speaking, specifically, the OPR stands for the Owner's Project Requirements. Uh, that you, That is applied typically to new buildings. Uh, when you talk about existing facilities, you're going to talk about a CFR, which is just slightly different than the OPR, but the CFR stands for the Current Facility Requirements. So again, all of those are, they really link to what the owner expects the building to do, uh, really what the, what the building needs to do. When you talk about the OPR specifically, it's, I, I guess it gives you a great metric to be able to determine how to measure the success of a project. You know, I guess really when you talk about uh, new construction and the OPRs, uh, you really can think about a couple of different, couple of different things. Um, sometimes, you know, and and again, I, I'll take a step back a little bit before I go into you know what you what you can expect. Realize that the OPR is really kind of hidden in the lead specifications uh, for uh, existing for uh, the um, uh, the requirements for the credits. They're really not found anywhere else they're not they're not used in in common everyday uh non-lead projects but they are found in the lead uh credits for commissioning and it confuses a lot of people exactly you know what they are who's responsible for them i mean for to, to commissioning agents we completely understand you know as the owner's project requirements state they are to be developed by the owner uh, or you know, in conjunction with the architect and engineer, but it's not something that we necessarily create. I personally, and this is my personal opinion, not any you know, uh, the official line is that you know, commissioning agents do not develop OPRs. I, however, on the other hand, I do. I mean, you you got to realize, depending on the the level of sophistication of your owner, you're going to have a, a lot of different. Uh, experience uh, in dealing with construction. 
So a lot of them, this is going to be their one and only project that they ever do for their facility. Uh, others, if you're de- dealing with larger uh, campuses, medical campuses, higher ed campuses, they're going to be doing this stuff all the time. So it de- really depends on the sophistication of your owner to kind of es- you know, w- establish whether or not they're going to have some sort of OPR to begin with. So that's why, you know, I like to be able to, you know, take the owner through the development process of the OPR, get that established. And, you know, frankly, you know, once you've kind of bitten the bullet and done it once or twice, it really is something that is, is, is fairly easy to do. And so it's just getting that learning curve of exactly what goes in the OPR and how to get it in there. So when you talk about more sophisticated owners, you know, whether it be the government or whether it be, you know, larger institutions, you might have some sort of uh, space planning already done for a project, you know, and that's that's a great component to put in an OPR. I mean, that's 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 really one of the one of the one of the key pieces. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But another thing that that uh, could be a mix of the the uh, or mixed into the OPR is the design standards or the design requirements of a facility. Sometimes facilities, you know, when they're a little bit more sophisticated, they have multiple buildings, they like to start standardizing on certain things. So they'll have some sort of design standards already developed. That, too, is a great component uh, to what an OPR, what, what should go into an OPR. Of course, I would say, you know, even if you have the space, you know, programming requirements, and the design standards, that's still probably not enough. They're probably leaving a few things out. So, you know, as an owner, as a, as a, or a, as a engineer, as an architect, as a commissioning agent, use your specialized knowledge with the building industry to be able to try to, uh, you know, coax the questions out of them, to be able to get that information down on paper. And ultimately, you know, really, that's, that's what it is all about. I mean, you think about an architect talking to an owner saying, what do you expect? What do you, what do you envision this project to be? You know, I mean, and, and it, the, the OPR really isn't anything technical. It's written from the owner's standpoint. I mean, it's not, it, it's written in their own words. So when the architect sits down and has that conversation with what they expect to, to use it for, what kind of spaces do they really need? You know, this is just merely a documentation of those conversations. And it's and it's really it's it's critical to to know um, exactly what the owner wanted uh, in the beginning to to make sure that you can give it to them. You know, there's nothing worse than not meeting expectations. You know, I I have this I have this story developed of you know I mean if, if you can really just put yourself into the owner's shoes for a second, and I'll I'll use this analogy. Say you know you're taking your your significant other out for a nice dinner. Uh, you, you know you just got your check on Friday and you have some money to spend, and you really haven't done this in a while. And you want to take them out to a nice restaurant, so you take them out to a nice restaurant and you sit down and you look and you 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 know you can it's it's nice, it's quiet, the ambiance is just right. Uh, you're ordering your favorite dishes, whether it be maybe like a steak or a salmon, and you're just you're, you're thinking you know maybe maybe I should get a bottle of wine, you know, to go along with this this meal. And you're like, well, you know, I'll get this reasonable price uh, bottle of wine, this Riesling, and it's only going to be about, you know, you know, thirty dollars or whatever it is. And and you 
you do that, and, and the sommelier comes over and you know takes your order and says, "Oh, of course." And he, he he looks at what you've ordered, goes back to the wine selection, comes back with a five hundred dollar bottle of wine, saying, "You know what? You really this is a, a a great vintage. I know it's a special occasion for you." He pops the cork, he gives it to you. You kind of look at it. Okay, what am I supposed to do with this? And he he pours you know a glass for yourself and and uh, your spouse, and he goes away, and you're like, "What just happened?" You know, I, I mean, I came here with you know some some money and I wanted to have a a good experience here at this restaurant and all of a sudden it just it is, my expectations were not met somebody just you know blew blew this out of the out of the water I have a bottle of wine that's way too expensive you take a taste of it it tastes like a dirty shoe and and you're just it's this flood of emotion just comes into you you know it's you know you're you're sad you're angry you're mad you're embarrassed you're you, what am you you know do you, do you send it back do you do you look like a fool or you know or you just you just go with it I, you know what what do you do and and really that's that's the owner for you i mean he he is uh there uh and he has a specific purpose and he has specific funds and he trusts this money to experts who he hopes will interpret what he's saying correctly and act on it accordingly. So that's 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 really kind of my, you know, envisionment. I mean, you really feel for the owner and the, you know, really put yourself in his shoes to be able to give him what he wants. So, I think a couple of important things to remember when you're developing an OPR is an OPR is not set in stone. And when I mean OPR, OPR, CFR, um, they're not set in stone. It's something that can be changed periodically throughout and, and frankly should be if different decisions arise. You know, if something changes in the design, make sure you update that so you know when you get to the end, okay, you know what? I wanted, you know... Four sets of bathrooms, but when I took a look at it, it was really expensive, so three sets will do. Okay, well, you know that you know you better change that in the OPR, so when you get to the end and you say, well, there's three, not four, you don't get confused. And it's still met the requirements. But just make sure that you, know, you have the owner's buy-in. It's written in their words, and it really documents what they, what they, what they intended to be, you know, to have done. One thing you can do with a stakeholder, you know, I, I say, you know, develop it with the owners. It, wh- who are the owners? Sometimes you, you, you get into a, uh, a situation where you can actually develop an OPR in a, uh, a meeting-type format, uh, you know, develop it like that, and you invite the, uh, the architects, engineers. Uh, other stakeholders, including, like, maybe maintenance people, uh, you could even do the fire department, police department, uh, some of the community. I mean, realistically, there's a lot of good ideas that can come out of there because, again, you you kind of you're thinking in a silo most of the time when you're designing a building. You, you're you're not think of the peripheral things. Um, you know, for instance, if you invited the fire department, they say, "Well, you know what? We really uh, when we fight a fire and we're going to 
come come from Main Street here, and uh, you know, we're going to turn onto Fourth. Uh, we're going to park our our uh, uh, our fire truck right here, and we want to be connected on this side of the building. Okay, perfect. You know, I mean, you you just these are some of the things that you can work out ahead of time that really get, start to get everybody's buy-in. You know, you talk to the police, you know, the the police. Well, you know, we want to be able to, you know, react to a certain situations. It's kind of, and it, it introduces them to the building too, to kind of know what to expect. Okay, where's the front entrance going to be, or where's the main office going to be, or you know, whatever information they need to know. And if there's something that they need to know, you can you can you can add that. You can make a note of it. It it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to you know vet everybody's concerns, but at least you have you give somebody a docu- a, a chance to kind of kind of vet those. So it doesn't happen on every job, no. But it, certainly it is an option, and I just want to make sure that uh, you're aware that you know things like this uh, have been done in the past. And, uh, you know, will be done in the future. So the question stands, you know, of course, people say, you know what, this OPR, it comes from lead. Do, do we really need it? And I would say yes. Yes, we need it. You know, we talk about the expectations. And it's so critical to be able to get that right, to get that down in writing. Because, you know, a lot of times you, you might have an owner say one thing and they mean another thing, and you need to clarify. You need to ask a few more questions. Or, you know, it's even uh, good when you're uh, thinking about having, uh, you know, uh, an owner says, you know what, I really do need that fourth bathroom. And, you know, instead of just kind of talking off, you know, out the side of his mouth, you can really nail him down and say, Mr. Owner, I heard you, you want a fourth bathroom. Do you want us to put that in the OPR? Now they 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 can't say, well, you know, that I maybe okay, no, not really. I you know I was just thinking there. So it gives you an opportunity to kind of check them from growing their scope uh, when they don't really mean to, or when they mean to and they they shouldn't really. So let's talk a little bit about what goes into a OPR to begin with. You know what 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 is the what does the document look like now? If you go for uh, go on Google, do a search. I'm sure you're going to find a number of examples of OPRs. Uh, some of them are short. Some of them are rather lengthy. It it really depends. But the the point of developing it and having those conversations and documenting that is going to be immensely immensely valuable. When it comes, uh, you know, further down, you know, not only is is it's going to be something that's useful to you, but it's it's really going to be a value to the owner. It's it's something that okay, you know, you were really listening to me. It's 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 this added value that they may not have expected in the design process, but that you provided. So when you look at the format of it, typically some of the things that you're going to find uh, on the OPR, you're going to have a, a description of the project, a description of the building. Uh, you might even have some history uh, behind the building. You know, if it's an addition or something like that, you might have a, a reason for for building the building. So there might be some some sort of reason, some sort of use of the project. You know, what what are your plans on uh, using uh, this building for? Uh, what are some of the things that uh, uh, you want to do as far as future expansion? I mean, that's 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 critical when you talk to HVAC and the electrical. 
if you're going to plan on adding a future wing, well, you know what? That's really good to know because I'd uh, increase the size of my mechanical room so I can add additional equipment if I wanted to. You know, things that trigger other questions uh, are really good to get out on the table and really, you know, really important to understand. You, know, you can have schedule when the owner expects to have the building built by. So everybody is everybody's on the same page. You can have the you know the the project cost uh, in the OPR. You could also have um, some of the you know obviously you talk about the systems the systems that are involved and 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 typically you know again keep it in the owner's words you know if if they want you know heating and cooling or they want to use you know if they want to achieve a lead gold or a lead silver. Um, you know, use that sort of language. Don't be too technical when you're writing uh, writing the, uh, uh, the the OPR. But you know, some of the things that you could do if if you have the maintenance involved, you could say, you know what, I really like uh, you know brand X, Y, and Z. But but don't you dare try to pass A, B, and C off. They are they are straight off the list. So it's uh, you know too. It kind of gives you an idea of what the owner likes, what he dislikes. You know, of various different systems, whether you're talking mechanical, whether you're talking plumbing, electrical. Uh, you could even do, uh, you know, various things like elevator, to security, uh, telephone, all these sorts of different building systems, building envelope, uh, site plans, uh, site, uh, you know, if, if you deal with, you know, the vegetation and things like that. Um, it can all get incorporated into that OPR. So, you know, I mean, you can see from just that, you, you can see how, you know, uh, enormous it could possibly get. Uh, but, you know, you, again, you know, go through it, say, you know, generally speaking, you're going to have a, a template loosely filled out, get their information, and being able to, to massage that to, to exactly what they want. You know, give them a copy, let them review it, uh, you know, because, again, you know, they're owners, they have uh, busy schedules, and, you know, frankly, if it was up to them to typing, you you might not get it till the end of the construction, if at all. So that's why, you know, take it away from the owner's hands and, you know, use the design team, use the commissioning agent, uh, whoever it is, you know, to develop the OPR. Also, of course, you know, like I said in the beginning, space requirements. If you have that, throw that in there. Space requirements, design standards. Those are good addenda for the, uh, for the OPR. Now, I guess if you take a look at uh, some of the benefits of developing an OPR, you know, I, 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 I cannot tell you the number of projects that I've dealt with, that things just didn't get communicated properly, especially with larger clients. If you're, if you're dealing with one person developing a building and they know exactly you know, everything that's going on, that's, you know, that's great. You may not have a lot of changes. But when you're dealing with, say, a healthcare organization, we have multiple departments and multiple people and everybody wants a little bit different thing, um, you, know, you can really get... Um, pushed around by the type of equipment that they want in their areas. Yeah, especially with when you're dealing with IT. 
you know, IT is, it, you know, it, the information technology, you know, how many servers, how many UPS, you know, how many rooms, how do you want it supplied, you know, is it going 24, 24-7, is it ever going to shut down, all these different things. You know, typically they're not going to know until the last day, and, you, you know, it's like, what do, you, what do you do for the load? But be able to document that. And for, for the engineers and, and, and the designers out there, you know, get out, you know, go out of your comfort zone. Keep asking questions. Always be asking questions. Because, you know, if they say one thing, they might mean another. If they say, okay, I need this much equipment, it may have been, well, you know what, in the future, this is as much equipment as I'll ever need. But for today, I only have, you know, one server instead of the 20 that we'll need in the future which drastically changes the way you approach sizing equipment, supplying equipment. Um, you know, same thing with the emergency, emergency generator. You know, what are you going to have on it today? If you're going to have an expansion, what are you going to put on it tomorrow? Do you really need to kind of, you know, massage that? And, uh, you know, as far as the different loads that are going to go on there, can you shed some off? Can you, do you, are some things really critical? You know, you need to be able to ask those questions of those people to make sure that you get your design right. And when you ask them those questions, you can get that information integrated to the OPR. So when they come back at the end of the project and they say, you know what, you know, here's how much, you know, equipment we have. We go, well, you know what, we've sized it per your, you know, the information that we have in the OPR. And that was not nearly, that was only half of what, you know, what you gave us today. So you can hold their feet to the fire a little bit more and just, you know, back yourself up. Give yourself some some sort of defensible position by documenting that. Now, contractors, is not a bad thing to, to take a look at the OPR uh, to begin with. Uh, you know, know what the owner really wanted. Uh, you might see some things that the engineer or the design team may not have caught on. You may know something. Well, you probably do know a lot of things that they don't know. And when you read something, in an owner's words, you might go, oh, yeah, I had this particular owner that when he said this, he meant this, and this is what we did. Would that, is that what you'd like? You know, and you can change, even as a contractor, you can change it. A tab, you know, even even a tab company can go in there and say, you know what, in this hospital organization, you know, I understand that you have the basic, you know, testing and balancing to do. But realistically, if, you, if you're thinking and you're really concerned about infection control, you may look at uh, doing some sort of, you know, uh, uh, cascade mapping. So, it, you know, that, that could be a convenient upsell for you or just get it in, integrated into the design. I mean, if you think about it, if you, if you read it and you think about it and you get it in early, you know, there could still be contingency money. Uh, it's more likely that it's going to be it's going to be there at the beginning of a project than at the end. So you may be able to grab additional funds uh, just by reading the OPR and interpreting what the owner really wanted. So don't discount. You know, just because you're a contractor, the OPR is something the design team needs to worry about because ultimately you're going to be held responsible to those same um, same outcomes. All right, so I've talked quite a bit about the OPR. The CFR, on the other hand, you know, really, it, it's, it's once the project is done, the OPR, in a way, sort of turns into the CFR. 
the, again, the current facility requirements. And, you know, this is going to have, you know, like, hours of operation. It's going gonna, it's gonna to know, you know, exactly what equipment got replaced or, you know, what, uh, you know, what, what different, you know, space planning is going in, in, in there. Um, you know, it's with hospitals, they're notorious for doing renovations, and you may lose some of that information. But if you, if you keep it detailed in a CFR, again, it's, it's a living document. So as changes are made, you make changes to the CFR. That could be something that that you could uh, you know uh, keep updated, or even if you uh, you know are are doing a new a new project or a new renovation, uh, this is a great tool uh, for the owner to be able to give to the design team to be able to use in their redesign of your project. Also, it could be an opportunity for you to upsell the uh, upsell the client, saying, "Hey, you know what? You don't have anything developed, but I would really like to develop for you a current facilities requirement, and it'll give you a great baseline uh, for the future." So, you know, consider that. All right. So, I think that's pretty much it. I just wanted to, you know, go over a little bit about what OPRs and and what my feelings are on them. I hope you uh, agree with them. If you don't, let me know. If you think I missed something, and I probably did, give me a shout. You can contact me at matt at buildingx.co. You can follow me on Twitter at buildingx, or you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, So I appreciate each and every one of you. Thanks for listening. You guys are great. Again, you are the top 3% of your profession. Just know that. I appreciate you wanting to learn just as much as I love buildings and learning how buildings work. I want to be able to share that with you. So with that, I say thank you. And remember, know what you build and share what you know.